we're going to carry on our series on destiny and purpose. I want to start on now on how you can actually discover your purpose, but we just need to pick it up and, uh, and uh, from where we were. So why don't we start back in Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 3. Let's just a couple of verses there. And it says uh, in verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts. God has put eternity in the hearts of people. Eternity. In other words, there's something inside every person that questions whether there's a God, whether there's a life after death, what is the meaning of my life, what should I be doing with my life. There's like... God has built and wired within us. He's designed us to live on forever. That was his original intention. And so there's something in the the heart of every person. I don't know if they're saved, unsaved, even if they're an atheist. There's still a struggle goes on because we're wired with eternity. We're wired to to have a life that goes on into eternity. And uh, notice in verse uh, 14, it says, And I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. So because God is a spirit being, an eternal spirit being, what God puts his hand to has eternal consequences. So when God designed and made you, he made you not only to have a life that is here on the earth, but a life that goes on into eternity. And what you do now has eternal consequences. I loved it in that film Gladiator where where, where Maximus says, he says, what we do in life echoes throughout eternity. Well, that's good. Is that good? That's good. What echo is coming from your life? Think about that. It will echo through eternity. So uh, you're you're a person who's, you've been created for a purpose. You've been created for a purpose. As sure as you're sitting here today, you're created for a purpose. God has made you to accomplish something with your life. We saw the purpose is the reason something exists. What the creator or the person who made the product had in mind when they made it. You are made to accomplish something. And if you don't understand how God has designed you, if we don't understand how God has made us, we will malfunction. If we don't understand what God has called us to do, we'll also malfunction. And our community is full of malfunctioning people. They don't know why they're malfunctioning. The answer is they've never found eternity, never found a purpose for their life, never found something that would deeply fulfill the innermost being. I want to show you how to lock in on that today, very, very simply. See, so, see, if God has created us, then he's the only one who can say with definition, this is what I've made you for. You know, a toaster can't ask another toaster why I'm here. Only the creator, the designer can tell the toaster, I made you to make toast. If you don't make toast, you're malfunctioning. God has made you for something, and he's the only one, ultimately, that can actually speak into your life and bring clarity to your thoughts about what you should do with the most precious thing you have, which is your life and your years on earth. As people get older, of course, they become more precious because you've got less of them. When you're young, you think you've got it all ahead of you. But as you get older, you begin to value every day. Have you noticed noticed that? Have some of you noticed that? You older people are reluctant to acknowledge it, but it is. You do think that. You actually begin to realize now, haven't got 40, 20 years, but I've got more than 20 years behind me. I've got 40, he's got 60 years behind me. Ah! What's left? See, it starts to, it's a quarter of it left, maybe a bit more. You, so you think more about the importance of what you do and that you do the right things with your life. When you're young and you've got all your life ahead of you, just fritter it away, not realizing you are preparing for your future by the choices you make. We'll talk more on that tonight. Okay then, so if only God knows the purpose, uh, why he's called you into existence, if you live a life separate from God, listen to this, 
If you live a life without God, how can you possibly find out what you're to do with your life on the earth? Without purpose, life's just a big experiment. Well, I'll try this, I won't try that, I didn't like this, I'll try this, I'll try that. It's a big experiment. You have no clear direction and focus for your life. And so a life without purpose leads to abuse, abnormal use. If you don't know how God made you, you will eventually abuse your life. You'll abuse your relationships, you'll abuse your opportunities, you'll abuse the fight, you will actually misuse them. And the only way that we can discover how we're wired and what we should do with our life is if we come to the one who created us, designed us, begin to connect with him and understand how he's designed us to live. Pretty good, isn't it, eh? How, see, why do marriages malfunction? There are a lot of reasons they malfunction. You put it down to one simple thing, though. Let's just make a simple bottom line. People aren't functioning like God intended them to function, so they have a problem. See, something goes wrong in the car engine, you hear knock, 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 that horrible sound, you know, the bearings are gone, I've got major expenses ahead of me. Well, you know, marriages can get a knock, 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 knock sound in them too, and a very expensive future and a very disappointing future lies ahead because we're not doing what God said to do. And most of the time it's because each one looks at the other one and they just say, well, well if only they would do this and they're doing this and they're doing this, and listen, you can't run your life on what other people are doing. You've got to choose what you'll do with your life and ensure you're functioning right. If, if someone else is not functioning right, that's their problem. If you're not functioning right, that's your responsibility. And it's your responsibility to discover your purpose in life. No one can do it for you. This is what you have to do. So whatever God does is forever. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. And it says at the end of that, it says in verse 15, and God will require an account of our lives, what we've done with it. That's a sobering thought, isn't it, eh? So let's move on then. I'll go back into uh, uh, in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 11 and 12. It says this, No man knows the things of man save the spirit of man within him. And no man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So listen, if you live a life separate from God or walking without God in your life, you are disconnected from the one who can tell you what he's thought up and planned for you. You just have to figure out what you should do with your life. We're designed to operate out of our spirit in a relationship with God so we hear God and have the thoughts of God. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So if you live a life apart from God, you live a low life, you won't live to your full potential. You can't because you're disconnected from the one who knows what he's thought for you. Okay? Now, you see, I would never in all of my life have thought of doing what I'm doing now. I would never have thought this up. But God thought it. His thoughts were higher. See? But, and through connecting with him, I began to discover a life different from the one I would have chosen and a better one. Okay? So we're designed to connect with God and hear his thoughts. But we've also got a spirit within us and we need to learn to tune in to what's inside us. So if I'm going to discover my purpose, and if you're going to discover your purpose, there's two things you'll have to be able to do. One, you'll need to connect with God to have his input to your life. And two, you'll have to connect with yourself, what's inside you, because that's where your purpose is wired. See, God has put eternity into you. He's actually wired the purpose inside you. And I'll show you some real simple keys. They're so simple you think, I never thought of that. And you'll be looking, everyone's looking for something really hard. It's actually really simple. Who knows the things of man save the spirit of man within him? So your spirit already knows inside what God has wired you for. 
how you design the function, but we just run off our mind and our own thoughts and what everyone else says. And see, when we connect with God, He begins to put life into our spirit, begins to show us, teach us, and begins to lead us in a path that becomes incredibly fruitful and productive. You say, well, you know, I've kind of walked with the Lord and a lot of things went wrong. Listen, God can redeem all of those. There's no surprises to him. Let's go back into Genesis uh, 1, verse 26, 28. And what I want to do is just remind you again of God's purpose for all people. So this is for everyone. And then we're going to get it real specific. And we say, how do I discover actually what he's called me to do? And tonight we'll talk to the young people about that too. Because in your season of life, it, it is a bit of a challenge because it isn't all clear right now. For some of you, it may be. For some, it will unfold. Okay, then. God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that moves on the earth. See? And God saw everything that he had made, and it was very good. God liked what he made. God didn't make any bad stuff. God makes good stuff. He made you. There's good in you. See? You're not a nobody. You're not useless. There's good in you. There's good in you because God made you, and he doesn't make junk. He makes things special. And, and when he made you, when he made man, put man on the earth, he, he, he gave man something he never gave to anyone else. He gave us a spirit, an eternal dimension. He gave us a capacity to be able to engage the realm of the spirit and the realm of the earth. Most amazing thing. And so in these few verses here, and I won't develop much, just remind you of what we saw a couple of weeks ago. These are the things that God has given for every one of us. So this is without exception, every one of us are called to do these five things. Okay? Let me give them to you. I'll give them something. I won't going to develop them because I want to look how you will lock in on your own personal purpose in life. Then a little bit later, we'll see how it's linked to the bigger picture of being in God's family. Okay, then, here it is. Number one, we're called, everyone, the purpose that God made you is to express what he's like. He has made you to be like a mirror of what he's like. You look at a mirror and you see yourself. You're made to be a mirror of what God is like. You're designed for that. When you are a loving person, you reflect what God is like because he's loving. When you are a truthful person, you reflect what God is like. He's truthful. When you stand up for what is right and do what's right, you're representing God. You're actually reflecting what God is like. That's why Jesus said, if you love one another, that's the way the world will know you. They'll know you're my disciples. They'll know you're reflecting me. They'll know you're different because you'll be, you'll be resonating out of your life what I'm like. Now, if you just got to hold that one thing, it would affect everything you do. I, I never have to worry too much about what others are doing. I've got to make sure that I'm reflecting what God is like. I keep asking the same question. Well, what would Jesus do in a situation like this? How would he respond to these people? How would he treat them? And the voices of people rise up in judgment and anger against someone who's failed. I hear the voice of God, and he's merciful, and he's kind, and he does things which people don't expect. They were called to reflect him, reflect what he's like. We're called to represent him. He, now, let me stay, put it another way. He's called you to look like you, but to act like God. Hey? Now, that's a wonderful thing. You're not meant to become a clone, a religious clone, and wear all the same suits and ties and everything. Actually, every one of us has got to look like ourselves and be like ourselves. Hey? That's because God only made one of you. So don't try and be someone else. 
But in the way we run our life, we're to act like God does, to treat people like God does, and to live our life and to speak words like God does. That's what you're made for. When you do it, life goes awesome. See, you, you think about this. We're made to speak words that we stand behind, words that are true, words that we keep. See? So when you do that, you become well-known as a man of character. Your business thrives. When you don't keep your word, you're not reflecting God. You're reflecting something else. You're reflecting sin, and life just, just doesn't work. So, so when we lock into God's purpose, lots of things in life really work for us. Second thing is we're called to enjoy a relationship. We're called to enter into relationship and fellowship. You're a relational being. How do we know that? Well, two ways. One is uh, God walked with Adam and spoke with Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells us they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the evening. God, wa- God made man for a relationship. That's why he's given us a free will. You can't have a relationship without a free will. You choose to mess your life up, well, that's your choice. People say, why there's so much trouble on the earth? People choose bad stuff. See? And God has given us a choice what we do with our life because he wants a relationship with us. So you're made with a spirit dimension to connect with God, but also we're made for human relationships too. You can't show what God is like unless you've got people to show what God's like too. So, so uh, God talked to Adam and he said, uh, it's not good that the man be alone. Not good he be on his own. You know? Well, lone rangers make weird strangers. You're not good to be alone, you know. You need more than animals. So when you find someone and all their life is about their pets, they're really malfunctioning. They don't know that when God made all the pets and made all the animals, he said, it's not good. There's one thing missing. That man needs someone to be with him. Say, come on. And if the only one that really loves you and likes you and is committed to you is your pet, you've really got some malfunction problems here. They're not designed to be like that. That's why even, see, even unsaved people go to places where they have connections. Even if they're not good ones, they still go there. They go to the pub. Why do people go to the pub? They like the, the, the drink relaxes them so they can be themselves and they want to connect and, and relate and, 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 and fellowship. So club, everywhere you go, people have organizations to do that. So we're made for that. We're designed for that. We've got to learn how to do it. Learn how to do it. Okay, here's the third one that says we're made for dominion. Notice what it says, we're made for dominion. It says let them have dominion. That's a good divine decree. Uh, that word dominion means to rule or to bring God's order into the world. To bring God's order into the world. To bring the will of God into your circumstances. Now we're not made to have dominion over one another. That's the problem. People are wired to rule and then they think it's to rule over someone else. They're trying to rule over someone else. And, and we're not, nowhere does God say that one man will rule over another or a man will rule over his wife. He doesn't say that. He just doesn't say it. He says a man will have dominion over the earth, not over one another. So dominion has got nothing to do with bossing people around. People who do that, they're functioning out of, out of order. They're malfunctioning. Jesus didn't do that. See, he didn't do it that way. He, he served. He blessed people. He helped people. He spoke into people's lives, spoke the truth, created an example they would follow. That's how he led. That's how he had dominion over lives. You're sitting real quiet on that one. When the disciples all wanted to have a position of importance, he said, listen, in the world, that's all they're on about. Positions of importance and bossing people around, having privileges and perks. He said, it won't be among you. If you want to be great or you want to have dominion, then you've got to learn how to serve. You've got to learn how to meet the needs of people. That's how I've made you to work. That's what I'm like. So when we start dominion, starts with getting management of your own life and your finances and your marriage and your relationships 
and then it overflows and you have an influence on others. And if you can't get your own life together, how are you going to influence someone else? That's why a lot of people turn off Christianity. They look at some of the Christians they know, and one, they don't reflect Christ, and two, they're in bondage, and three, they're not very relational people sometimes. So in all three counts, they're missing out. You know, that's not very good, is it? We're called to do those things, called to represent what God's like, to look like ourselves and be free to be ourselves, but to represent and speak and act like He does. We're called to have relationships, genuine, authentic relationships. Marriage is a covenant relationship. It's designed to reflect what God is like and how He relates. We're designed to have dominion. We're designed, uh, not only that, we're designed to be fruitful. Fruitful means literally this, productive. You are designed to be productive. When you do something and you get a job done, you feel satisfied. Why? Because you're wired to be productive. If a man gets money and sits around and does nothing, his whole character goes into decline because he's not made that way. He's malfunctioning. That's why if you get the doll, or just a little statement here on the side, if you get the doll or you're on an unemployment benefit, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, a, it's a, something available in our country, great. If, if you need it, then receive it. But listen, you owe someone work because you can't get something for nothing you're not made that way we're made the Bible says let uh, 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 let a man work that he may give if he doesn't work don't let him eat so if a person gets a benefit and never works or sows labor with an expectation of a job their character will only go into decline we're not made to live that way anyone who's worked with unemployed people realize that one of the greatest tragedies in a church is when people are unemployed spiritually and naturally. We actually, if you have no job at the moment and you're getting a benefit, it's wonderful. Praise God for the benefit. And thank God for the other people who paid that you could actually be fed during that downtime. But what you need to do to ensure a future and to ensure you're flowing with God's plan is not be overwhelmed by the lack of a job, but just to sow out work. You, you find some people to work for. You, you do some work for the church. You do some work for people. You, start, you must so work because you're designed for it. You're designed to be productive. In fact, in the Bible, Jesus talked and gave some parables. He said, listen, if that fruit tree doesn't bear fruit, give it another chance. Uh, put some fertilizer. If it doesn't do any good, cut it down. Uh, in the parable of the talents, the guy who got the talents never was productive. They took it away from him. That's how God works. So we're designed to be productive. If we're not productive, God takes away the opportunities we have given to someone else. Because this is divine design. This is how we're called to function. Imagine a society, what it would be like if people chose to live a life that reflected the qualities and character of God, speaking and acting in the way he does, with truth and integrity and uprightness, kindness. Imagine if people in society had relationships like God says to have relationships, keeping your word, uh, showing uh, uh, selflessness and, and serving people. Imagine what it would be like if people were productive instead of being takers. See, when you, you work for a boss, you should be productive for the boss. It's not, turning up late is not productive. Turning, going home early is not productive. Long lunch hour is not productive. This is not what we're called to be like. That's why when you do it, you misrepresent Christ. He's not like that. And, he, and we're not to be like that because it's not who we are. We're productive people. A, a believer, a Christian, who isn't doing something to be productive with his life will always never have enough of anything, including never enough of God. God does not give himself to lazy people. 
There's nowhere in the Bible where someone was doing nothing and God picked them up and worked with them. You all got real quiet today. Come on, you better smile. Tell, tell someone next to you, lighten up. I know it's all for you, but it's... <laughs> Don't get so serious. Just listen, take it in. Okay? All right then. And then finally, we're called to... See? I'll just give you one other statement before we get it. You can never realize your potential unless you work. You can't. I love work. You know, work came before there was sin. We're designed for it. And if you don't find the work God called you to do, you'll be a very unhappy person. Come on, think about this. Most happy people are people who are doing something they're designed to do. Okay, let's move on to the last one then. Who called to reproduce. To reproduce, well, that's obviously to have children. So God thinks a great idea if you marry and have children. Girls, you hear that one? God thinks a great idea to marry and have children. Get the right one. Get the good one. Get one who's walking the same way. You guys, good for you to marry. Good for you to marry and good for you to have children. This is good. This is God's plan. We don't do that. We will actually fail in fulfilling our divine mandate. And most of the uh, Western, most of Europe now, I would say within 70 years, the whole face of Europe will totally change unless there's a revival. Because of just this one thing, people are not producing children. And those who will produce them, which are people with an Islamic background, are producing them in the multitudes and have a design to shift the whole face of the West. And they won't do it by war, they'll do it by that strategy. Shift in, form communities, begin to grow in numbers, and then take over councils, governments, and change the laws. If you don't think that's happening, just watch. Watch England right now. Watch, watch Australia. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the words that come out, and you'll hear it. That's exactly what it's saying. And don't think we're that far off. Don't think we're that far off. And see, people don't see it. They don't understand it. And, and so God calls us to reproduce. Of course, in more than just having children, God calls you to reproduce what he's put in you in someone else. So to reproduce means literally to impact others with your values and your lifestyle and, and what God has imparted to you. So it's not just about you getting money and you getting ahead. It's actually about what God's given you putting into others. I love it when I see some of the adults getting involved with the youth. They're doing what they're called to do, which is to impart what they've learned, their wisdom and experience in the younger ones. But it happens through relationship and connecting. But if you do that, you feel fulfilled. If you sit back and you think, well, what's all the attention on the young ones? You've missed the point. You're called to be productive till the day you die. There isn't any retirement in God. We're all called to be productive, which means what we've learned. Your testimony was not just for you. Your testimony is for you first, that you might then impart something that will give hope to someone else. We're called to reproduce. What God gives us, to reproduce it in others. Now, Jesus put it another way. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the things I command you. Discipleship is actually still part of that mandate, reproduce the life of God in others. Do it in your marriage. Do it in your children. Father who won't instruct his children is leaving them vulnerable to society to, try to shape them. A mother uh, who has the heart of the home uh, very much, uh, perhaps more than the, the man, uh, she has a vital role in imparting values and habits and, and, and things into the children. It's crucial to do that because if you don't, someone else will. See, that's all part of our divine manner. Now, that's all a little bit of a... So I want to talk now just about 
where, how we actually discover God's unique purpose. So we're all called to do those five things. We're all called to mirror and reflect Christ. We're all called to have a relationship with God that's personal and a relationship with people, his family, and, and, uh, and also others around us. We're, all, we're called to have dominion, to begin to bring the life and the principles of God to bear all around us. We're called to be fruitful, to take the giftings we have and develop them. I'll touch on that with young people tonight. You're in a phase in life where you don't know really the full purpose of God. You need to actually have a broad approach to life, learn what you can, and begin to discover what you're good at. Discover progressively the call of God. Don't abandon your education thinking you're going to be spiritual. You need that to discover God's purpose for your life. We're all thinking today, aren't we? Okay? So, a life without God. Now, let, let me go back again to where we started. Because of God's purpose and how he's designed us, if we run our life without reference to God, we can never fulfill our purpose. We will actually have an abnormal life. We won't have the life God wants us to have. See, many Christians, what we do is this. We say, I believe in Jesus. I'll give Jesus just a little bit of my life. But actually, that's not how it works. He, he gave himself fully to us, and he wants us to give ourselves fully to him without reserve, that together we might work as a team in the earth. But if always my yielding to God is conditional, whether I like it, whether I agree with it, whether I want it, whether it suits me, I'll be malfunctioning all the time. And so many Christians, they're, they're happy to just walk a little bit with God as long as God doesn't speak into their life about too many things. And, and that's why they can't be productive. Because to be productive, I've got to be vitally connected to God, the Spirit of God, and be cooperating with Him because He's the only one who knows what I could become and what I could do, what I could achieve. See, if I was left to myself, if I had never said unswervingly, God, my whole life is in your hands, whatever you want to do, if I had never made that commitment, I would definitely never be here. And I'm glad I'm here. And many people are glad I'm here and do what I do. But it took, you see... I had to listen to God. What I wanted to do was something a bit different. And it would have had much less of value than cooperating with God without reserve and doing what he wanted. And you're the same. When you have reserves in walking with God and hold back from God, what happens is you malfunction. You can't find fulfillment. It's a, it's a constant struggle. I found many decisions. They're not even decisions for me. God just said it, I'm happy to yield to that and do that. I'm happy, Lord. He says, do this, I'm happy to do that. I've already agreed to do it. Long ago, I agreed to do it. You get any idea? Whereas some people, they've got to pray about everything. Whereas if you're walking with God, you don't have to pray about so many things because you already made the decision, whatever the Lord's speaking to me about, I'm cooperating with that. That's where my life's to be found. You get any idea? Then we're getting real quiet. We probably could stop there. Well, let me give some keys to discovering now uniquely what God wants for you. That's always the challenge. What does God want for me? So I better get someone to prophesy over me. Listen, that's like divining, you know, trying to find someone to kind of come up with some magic. Listen, listen to the scripture in Jeremiah 1 verse 5. I'll give you some simple keys. They're so simple, everyone can do them. And, uh, and you should do them. And I want you to do them. And if you will do them, it may not happen straight away. But over a period of time, a lot of things will change in your life. A lot of things. You look back and say, whoo, how did I get here? Just because you did these simple things. 
And okay, here, here we go then. So Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Okay? So now notice this. Before Jeremiah is even born, God has already got a plan for him. And now Jeremiah's now beginning to find the plan. Now Jeremiah had a different plan for his life. And when he gets to talk with God and he starts to listen to God, God says, oh, Jeremiah, yes, we're talking. This is good. I got something to tell you. It's going to really blow you away. Guess what? Long before you thought about your career path, I got one ordained for you. I got one all set up for you. You know what it's going to be? He said, no, nah, no, nah, what is it? Huh? You're going to be a prophet to nations and you're going to speak to nations. The words I give you to speak, and when you speak them, they will actually carry out. And over a course of some years, what you say to those nations is going to happen. Whoa. You know what he said? Too much, Lord. I'm just a child. I can't do that. So inwardly, there's a resistance in all of us when God tries to tell us what, we want, what he wants. Because he always thinks bigger. So God's got some big things. And, and one of the things, was one of the, I'll share one of the keys a little later on dreaming. You've got to dream, you see. Okay, Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 36. It said, David served his generation by the will or the purpose of God. Now, David was a man who infected a whole nation. Now, how did he affect a whole nation? Simply, he discovered what, what God wanted him to do in his day, and a whole nation changed. Now, you may not change a whole nation, but the principle's the same. When you discover what God wants you to do it and do it without reserve, there will be people impacted by your life without question. Whether they will come to Christ, oh, that's another question, but they will be impacted by your pursuit single-mindedly of a purpose in your life. Any person who is on fire with a purpose, they are a challenge to all the purposeless people around them. When you live your life unashamed, purposeful, you know where you're going, you know what you're doing, you know what to say yes to, what to say no to. You are a challenge to everyone around you. Some will like you, some will hate you, some will envy you, but you won't live a life that doesn't affect people. Because people in this generation are without purpose. Okay then, so if God has planned something for you, there must be a way to find it. Think about that. If God planned something for you, how many believe God's planned something for you? Must be a way to find it then. Let me give you some things. Of course, are, let me give you the first of all the two simple things, then I'll give you the keys. The core of it is this. I need to connect with God instead of listening to the opinions of everyone else. Whether that be the people around me, whether that be the voices of my past. Because some people listen to the voices of their past. Maybe you weren't so good in the school and, you know, you didn't do so good and the teacher told you off and beat you down and told you were dumb and thick and stupid. And years after you left school, you still got that voice talking you down. You're listening to the wrong voice. God didn't make failures. There's a lot of reason people don't do good at school. Sometimes it's teachers. Sometimes it's the student. Sometimes a lot of factors can be there. But because you failed there does not mean you've failed for life. You've got to stop listening to that kind of voice and position yourself through prayer to start listening to God. And the second thing you must do is learn to listen to your own heart. So we're listening to the Spirit of God and we're listening to the voice of our own heart. And of course, if you've got too much junk inside you, you won't hear that voice too good. 
If you've got low esteem, you won't hear anything except, you're no good, you're a failure, you never make you can't. You've got to silence those voices. That's why one of the things God does is he heals us so we can hear clearly and begin to embrace our purpose. Okay, so how do I actually find my purpose? Heather, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you, four, hopefully I'll get some done today, and then next week I'll continue with the other keys. And you put them all together and just get, get if you can't get it written down, get the CD or get some copy of notes or something like that from someone else. But get these down. Here's a simple one. Number one, key number one. What is the desire of your heart? Here's some things you can ask yourself. What is the desire of your heart? In Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. That means be flexible, be pliable, or be yielded in the hands of God. And He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words... He will start, to, when, you, when you align with God and you become soft and yielded to Him, the desires in your heart begin to surface and you begin to start to find yourself fulfilling them. So there are desires. Now, so, desire, see, so within you is a desire and a command to be fruitful. There's no one here that by design and by divine command hasn't got a mandate to be productive. No one. You say, oh, I don't do that much more than life. Okay, that's because of choices or because you didn't know what to do or whatever. But everyone inside you, we're wired to be productive. And so when you do something or you, you've created, so even when you make a cake, you feel good after you made the cake, even if it's all gone in five minutes once the teenagers come in. But it was great that moment when you made it because you felt productive. Being productive has got a fulfillment of its own. See, so we've got to find out the desire of our heart. What are the desires in our heart? So a desire is, is a driving force in your life. Whatever you desire, you'll end up seeking after. And desire is actually a God-given force inside us. Desires can be good or bad. The bad ones you've got to quench. They're called lusts and they cause trouble to us. They're there. Isn't that right? Are they there? Sure they are. They're a nuisance. You've got to learn how to walk with God and overcome those uh, carnal evil desires because our life goes off track when we start to follow them. But did you notice this about even the bad desires... That boy, there's a pull to do them. See, because desire is a force inside us. And when you begin to locate the desires God put in you, and you begin to align with them and identify them and name them and work with them, you begin to start to find something's rising up in you. And it's, everyone's got them, see? God knows what your personality and your gifts are. He knows what your, your passions are. And He causes us to desire to be fulfilled through those things. There's some things, if you will do, you desire to do them. I'm not talking about just fleeting things, but there's something in your heart, you really, when you, you just want to do that. You're wired to do that. When you do it, it feels so fulfilling. Those desires we have to discover, they're part of God's purpose for our life. We have to discover them. They don't always come easy because we've been told so much you can't do that or you get religious and think your own desires are nothing at all. Just, listen, your desires are part of who you are, what God made you. You can't let them all go and sort of carry on like they're not part of who you are. They're part of how God made you, so you don't get rid of them. You discover them. And within you, there are desires. Some of you desire to create things with your hands. And so stick you there and get you working with numbers or figures and you go crazy. You have no desire whatsoever to do that. And many people are doing not what they desire, they're doing what someone else desired them to do. It's a real danger. The parents have a place. Let me just say this. Parents have a place 
to discover what God put into their child and help them walk out and fulfill it. Not to get your children to do what you never did. When you do that, you ruin their lives. And at about midlife, they collapse because they've had all this season in their life trying to do something that was never their desire. It was never what they wanted to do. But they did it because by personality or power or force or their own uh, uh, feelings of fear, they just did it to please you. There are people here and you're living to please someone else. You're not fulfilling what God put in your heart. I, I, we have to deal with this all the time. I had to deal with it in my own life. And then when you, you, you got to realize God put desires into you. Godly desires, good desires to do things he's called, they're part of the purpose for your life. You have to discover your desires. See? Not, I'm not talking about a whim or, or some kind of fantasy. Some people have these great big things and they're just unrealistic. We're talking about the deep longing in your heart that I just really love to do this. I really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. If I could do whatever I wanted, what would I really want to do? See? And so desire is not a whim. It, it, it's linked to your destiny. That's why many times Jesus said, what do you want? Here's a blind man. What do you want? Hello? We know what he wants. He needs to get healed. No, Jesus made him say what he wanted. Uh, many times people come up uh, in, into a prayer line and, and we, we ask them, what do you want? Oh, 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 Listen, you don't get anything that way. What do you want? Go away and find out what you want. Come back again. The Bible says when you stand praying, whatever things you desire, when you, you desire. Do not be so religious in the thinking that you're, you, you dismiss your desires. Your desires are part of you. If I shut down your desires, which are implanted in you by God, I'm shutting you down and you are malfunctioning. That's why relationships that aren't open and free to find and discover the desires are controlling and they lead to people being miserable. There are things we're called to do. They're wired in us. They're in us. Kingdom of God is in you. Desires are in you. You've got to be well, confident enough to find out what they are. Here's the second one. So what, what is it you really desire? What do you really want? What is it that is burning in you? Okay, here's another one. Here's the second key. What is it that stirs your passion? Some people don't appear to have any passion. I'm sure they've got it somewhere, but it's very, very deep. Passion is a zeal. The word passion is like a, a jug boiling. You know, it's boiling away. It's not cold. It's not lukewarm. It's hot and boiling. It's boiling. Okay? So zeal, passion. Okay? Now, sometimes we have lust, strong lusts, and they're burning inside. Almost like you can't go crazy when you've got that thing going inside. But when you've got a godly passion inside you, that motivates you. That's linked to your destiny. It's linked to God's purpose for your life. He put some passions in you. He has put some things in you that when you start to identify them, you come alive. Have you noticed that there are some things when you do them, you can be doing them all day. And at the end of the day, whoa, I, yeah, that's good. Often it's the wrong things. Some people, you get some guys and they get model trains and they spend a whole day with model trains or other people they get a whole day with bowls. This is not, you know, this is not really godly eternal desires. These are just frivolous activities you know, that fill in and waste your life and your opportunity. In John 2 verse 17, Jesus said, the zeal, it says of him, the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. Jesus was known to be a passionate man. That's why we have passion in the church. That's why we express passionately. 
passion. It's part of God's like that. God is burning hot. That's why sometimes he came, he came like a pillar of fire, just so you can know he's smoking hot. You're not a lukewarm God. When Jesus was around, man, he had some straight out conflicts and confrontations. He was a passionate man. There were some things he hated and he he was unreserved in saying so. And there are other times he's very gentle, but he was passionate. He was passionate about fulfilling a certain thing. The Spirit of God is on me. He's anointed me to do these things. I'm on fire for that. I have one purpose, the Son of Man manifests to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, he's passionate about that. See, there's some things he came to earth he was excessively passionate about. Do not, do not mistake the passion. God-given passion ignites you with life. When you're doing the things that you are wired to do, you just get energized. You'll do it without even being paid for it. You'll love it so much. When you do the things you're not passionate about, it nearly kills you, drains your energy out, and by the end of the day, you're exhausted. Come on. So, so in answering thing about passion, what things do you really love to do? Some people, they just love to help people. So if you love to help people, then you've got to find a role where you're just doing some strain, played out, playing helping people. Don't get involved in other things. Just help people. Find areas of the church where you help people. Find areas in life where you help people, you'll feel really good. Some people, are, they just love working with figures. I don't understand it. I, I did a degree in maths. I, lo- I know I really love maths, actually. But all that little detail of accounting where every cent went, I, I'm not passionate about that. That doesn't get me wired up to find that missing cent and put it in place. And, yes, it's balanced. That's not me. I say, there's one missing, I'll give you the one. And there you are, it's balanced. You know? That's, see, because my passion isn't there, but I understand it is the passion of someone else. So I've got to find some other people who are passionate about it. And they will be passionate and they'll be wired up and they'll be hot about the thing I don't like doing. Praise God for them. Come on. Now, all of us got a thing to serve, but there's some things light your fire. And what lights your fire? That's a God given thing, it's connected to your purpose and your destiny. What lights your fire? What gets you going? See? Some people love children. They love working with children. And others, I can't stand it. See? So what you love is a part of discovering your passion. What you hate is also a part of discovering your passion. Remember talking to one person and because of so much control by family, they didn't really know what they wanted. What do you want? I don't know. What do you don't want then? We'll start there. And when they thought through all the things they didn't want, okay, this is what you must want then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I need to put it that way. Yes, I do. And when they began to pursue it, they become very good at it. Very good. Come on, passion. What gets you wound up? What gets you angry? It's probably something you've got to be stirred up to fix. And see, when you discover what really you get hot about or what you really get angry about or what you really hate and dislike, you begin to, if you can get names on those things, you'll begin to be able to say, this is what I'm passionate to do with my life. Oh, yes. And as you can see, I'm very passionate about doing what I like doing with my life. When when you're doing the things you love to do, it doesn't matter even if people don't pay you, you still get to do them. 
because you're passionate about it. And as you do it, you come alive, you fill with energy, your life just lights up. See? And so what are you enthusiastic about? If you're not enthusiastic about anything, you died a long time ago. You really did. People, listen, somewhere, somehow, your light was put out and you don't know it. The, a tragedy is to die on the inside and then live out another 30, 40, 50 years of your life before it physically happens. And you're dead with no passion, no fire, not burning for anything. That's a tragedy, isn't it? As we get older, of course, we can lose passion because of disappointments and hurts and knockbacks, but we've got to stay locked in on what we're called to do regardless of all of those things. So there's the key. What stirs your passion? What do you love? What do you hate? What are you enthusiastic about? What could you give yourself to and say, oh, yes, I could give myself to that. Now you listen, when I get moving in the things of the Spirit, when I get beginning to do what I'm passionate about, I go alive with energy. You can't believe how energized I get. I've, I've ministered and prayed for thousands of people in one meeting. Preach messages, you know, four or five messages in one day. And at the end of it, yes! Because I'm actually locked in to what I am passionate about and what I want to do and what is my desire. When I do it, I feel really good. When I have to do other stuff, only joy can tell you how depressed I get. Very, very sad. No life. Eh? I don't want to be like Al Bundy and live a life like that. I want to be alive with the life of God. Well, you're called to be too. So what, is it, what does it get you going? See, I saw, you see these, these leaders out there with the kids? They love kids. You can tell they love kids. Kids love them and they're all on fire. It's great. Fire begets fire. So there's two keys. What's the desire of your heart? What is it stirs your passion? And I'd better finish there. God, I've got another three there to do today. Never mind. Here, let me just finish with the last verse then. Okay, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. Matthew 16, verse 27. This is what God says. When Jesus returns, or when we go to be with him, he says, I will reward every man according to his work. Christians, make no mistake, what you do is important. Don't say it's all about, oh, just about Jesus and me loving Jesus. Listen, if you're not doing something, that's pretty hollow faith to me. Pretty empty. Hey, it's got to have legs on it. Hey, J J James wrote, he said, listen, you talk about having faith, you watch what I do and I'll show you the faith I got. When Jesus comes back, he doesn't come back to reward people according to intentions. He comes back to rewarding us according to what we did. And you know what he's most looking for? He's most looking for people who connected to him and discovered what he had designed them to do and are actually doing what he called them to do. Passionately, enthusiastically, with all their heart. And that's what gets rewarded. Dead things, you've got to cut them off. Some people, for all the wrong reasons, get involved in every kind of dead thing. If it's not got life and producing fruit, dig it, fertilize it, and if it don't produce fruit, cut it down, like that. Life's too important to be messing around with things that are dead. Come on, you've got to think right. And often we've got our lives dispersed 
because, well, I feel obliged to this. I feel sort of a duty to that. I feel I have to do this. I have to. What are you doing? God's will reward none of that. He will reward those who found what he called them to do and are doing it with passion. Sobering thought. Say, I could have gone out and got into business and done something there. I wouldn't get rewarded for that. I was never called to do that. Are you doing what God called you to do? See, there is a reward, or or put it another way, when you fulfill your purpose, your God-given purpose in this life, the consequences and rewards for it go on through to eternity. It's too important not to discover your purpose. Far too important. What is it you desire, most of all with your life? And what is it you are passionate about? Start listening to God and identifying those things, and you're on the way. Father, we just thank you right now. Lord, for the Father life, the fresh life you're breathing into us. Father, we know that this year you're calling every person here to change. All of us are in a process of beginning to discover and focus our lives so we're not unproductive, but we're productive with our lives. And we do something that counts for eternity. Father, I just thank you for mothers who who know it's their purpose to engage in raising another generation. Thank you for business people who know it's their purpose to influence the business community and generate finance to advance the gospel. I thank you for people who teach. I thank you for people who got music in them. I thank you for people who got sound in them. I thank you for people in this church with multitudes of gifts. Father, we want to fulfill our course. Speak to us in these next weeks, individually and corporately, that our lives may have focus, purpose, and a clear plan how to get what you called us to get.